from Hebrews, but also ends with this blessing that the writer, preacher, we've talked about this as a little bit of a sermon letter. Hebrews is unusual. We don't know exactly who wrote it. But he ends with this this blessing. And I'm going to explain in a moment uh, why, even though the word blessing uh, is not in here, that this is essentially a blessing from God. And, uh, and so we're going to look at what a blessing is, who the blesser is, and what it means for those who are blessed, the receivers of that. And, and I do think it's helpful to acknowledge that the way that we often use this word uh, is, is a little bit confusing on, on multiple levels when we think about the hashtag blessed, uh, which has become you know, really, really helpful for understanding. No, it's, it's often this like, on social media, it is a, it's, it's often just a brag. Like, look at this great thing that I'm experiencing. It might be a relationship, it might be a vacation, it might be a meal, it might be uh, a job, all these things, and, and it's hashtag blessed, right? Uh, and, and it's often blessing as, as defined by our culture. And, uh, and that's, it's confusing for a number of reasons. And, and one is that uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, there is a recognition that there are times when God gives us good things. And we, we want to say, yes, this is from God and not something that, that I've accomplished. So there's this mix, right? But there is very clearly in Scripture, continually in fact, and we've talked about this a lot in Hebrews, that that there is blessing that comes even in the midst of really difficult things. And that what the Hebrews are experiencing, this persecution and the struggle, so much so that they're tempted to, to turn away from Jesus and turn back to their old ways, that uh, things are not going well, that they would not put hashtag blessed on the things that they're experiencing. That they might actually put hashtag not blessed, or maybe even hashtag cursed, right? Like that, that's a little bit, and we don't... Typically find those a lot on social media. But that might be what they're experiencing. And so there's this question for us is what, what is blessing? How do we even think about that? And particularly, how do we think about it in the context of experiencing things that we wouldn't naturally say, oh, what a blessing. And at the same time, recognizing that when there are good and beautiful parts of God's creation, that it is from him. And that, that we should rejoice in the good gifts that he gives to his children. Well, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at blessing, and we'll, three points, the blesser, then second is the blessing, and then finally, the blessed, not those that receive the blessing. Let me, let me pray for us. Lord, you are a good God uh, who gives good things to your children. I pray that you would allow us to sit in that beautiful reality, uh, even when it is difficult to do so. Open our eyes to your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who, who is the blesser here? The, the, the preacher, the writer, is giving this blessing, the, the benediction. But we see that it, it, at its foundation, that, there is, uh, that that is not the one, he is not the one blessing. It is, uh, I think, no surprise to us that the one who is blessing is the Lord. So the blesser is the Lord. I'm going to turn back to, we learn a good bit about benedictions from the first one that's given in scripture in number six, probably the most well-known. And the Lord spoke to Moses as he does through much of these first five books of the Bible. He speaks and he says to Moses, speak to Aaron. And Aaron is Moses's brother. And uh, at this point, the, the high priest, and he is the 
the one, the, the leader of the priests of God. And he uh, says, speak to Aaron and his sons, that is all the Levites, all the priests to come, essentially. Thus, you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, and then here in Numbers 6, verses 24 to 26, this well-known benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, and the Lord here, all caps in, in our Bibles, the Bibles that are spread out there, is Yahweh. This is the personal name for God. I will be with you. I will be your God. You will be my people. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. So these are words that the priest would say. It goes on and then in verse 27 to say, So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. I will bless them. The, the priest speaks these words of blessing. And then we find in the New Testament, while Hebrews has made it very clear that Jesus is the ultimate high priest, we don't any longer need a mediator between us and the Lord. We have direct access to him. And yet there are leaders in the church that speak blessing over us. And in the midst of that, in the midst of the benediction we have, God is giving his blessing and he is the one who accomplishes it. He is the one who secures the blessing, who gives the blessing. And sitting in that reality dramatically shapes the way, the way that we receive it, whether we believe it's true, whether we trust it, whether it's uh, something that we are going to live in light of. It is all dependent upon the one who is offering the blessing. And so it's fair for us to ask, how do we think about God in light of his commands, in light of his directions to us? We, we think about our kids. Uh, when, when we give them direction, how are they thinking about us, right? Or when we're given direction from authority figures, how are we thinking? Are they caring for me? Do they want what's good for me? All of these things matter as we think about what the blessing is and how we might respond. Uh, a number of years ago now, uh, Stephanie and I were uh, taken on uh, this great trip to New York City. We were invited along, given a ride, so to say. Uh, we were uh, going to have a good meal and go to a show. And, um, and the guy who invited us uh, texted me and said, do you, do you have a place to stay or have plans for a place to stay? And we used to live in, in Queens, so we have a lot of friends there. And, uh, and they're good friends who would let us stay with them. And uh, we, of course, were remembering the last time that we had stayed with friends before this trip. Uh, some of our good friends that we continue to keep up with, they uh, allowed us to stay with them, and they had a, a bedroom in the basement with a bed. And I love these people. Uh, again, some of our good friends, we keep up with them. But the bed was, like, it had the firmness of a, of a dining room table <laughs> with, with, like, a mattress pad. And not, I'm sorry, not a, a mattress cover, not a mattress pad. Uh, a mattress cover, like just a sheet on top. It was a rough night's sleep. And so, uh, and, and they're very generous and caring people, to be clear. It was, it was difficult to sleep there. So I'm like, oh no, we've got friends, people we can stay with. And I'm thinking, I hope they've got a new bed in the meantime. But then his response is, uh, are you sure? And uh, we've got places to stay. And he says, are you sure? And I know because I know who's inviting us. I, I know what it means that he's asked me this question. And I'm like, what do you have in mind? And we ended up staying at the Ritz Carlton uh, in New York and uh, didn't stay with our friends. Uh, and it was great, right? And I knew that that question, are you sure that I was gonna jump at this opportunity? 
Because I knew who it was that was offering it, and I knew both what he could offer and his generosity to, to do so. And so it affected the way that I stepped into that question of, of blessing, right? Just the smallest picture, the smallest picture of the, the Lord, Yahweh, the personal God who wants a relationship with us, saying that I'm, I'm offering this blessing. That he's the one who's going to do it. And we find that's exactly in these two verses, verse 20 and 21, we see that he is the one accomplishing the blessing. The God of peace is going to, to do this blessing. He's, he, he wants us to have peace. This is a significant statement. One that, that we regularly, and, and that likely the Hebrew church needed to be reminded of. That he's a God of peace, even in those moments where we're not experiencing peace, where we're experiencing anxiety and struggle. And yet it's this reminder that God, our creator, is a God of peace. That theme throughout Hebrews, Jesus is better. There are all kinds of things that we're tempted to turn to in the midst of our struggles and our anxiety and even suffering. And, and yet there is this promise that God is a God of peace. And not only is he a God of peace, we see, but he is the one who wants that peace for us, but is able to accomplish it, we see this reminder, same verse, the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. He goes on to describe Jesus as the shepherd of the sheep, the one who's going to care, who's going to bring that peace. But this reminder that he's the one who brought about resurrection, he's the one who has power over death, he is actually powerful enough to accomplish the blessing that he offers. He is the one who brought Jesus to life from the dead. That is a mass. I mean, there's so much that is packed into these few verses, right? But the fact that Jesus has been risen from the dead, that God has power over death itself, that ultimate enemy, he is able to accomplish the blessing that he offers. He is the one who ultimately gives grace. Verse 25, grace be with all of you. And then we see even this language in verse 21 that he's going to do the one. He is the subject of equipping you with everything good that you may do his will. He is the one working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. He is the one doing the blessing. It's not the writer of Hebrews. It's not church leaders. It is the Lord himself. And this is his nature. He is by nature a God who blesses. We need to be reminded of that sometimes because we often, too often, put ourselves in the position of the ones who can judge God and decide whether or not we actually think he's doing that. And it's because we have this twisted notion of what the blessing is. We'll get to that in a moment. But he is, by his very nature, one who blesses. And we see it from creation to the new creation, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible. Genesis 1 is the first. Genesis 1, verse 28, God has created them, male and female, in his image. He's created human beings. And the first thing that it says is, and he blessed them. He is a God who blesses. We see that it continues in Genesis 12, one of the early covenants agreements that he makes with people, he blesses Abraham and gives this promise of amazing blessing in order that, that a great nation would come out of Abraham, be blessed, and then be a blessing to all the nations. God is a God who blesses his people. 
I thought about Psalms and just the dozens upon dozens of mentions throughout the Psalms of the blessing offered to the people of God. Psalm 1, 1 starts with blessed and it just goes on and on about the people of God and the blessing that is offered to them. And then Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God himself comes into this world and he ministers first. And we, the most famous sermon that Jesus gave, the Sermon on the Mount, starts in, with blessing. Matthew, uh, verse, Matthew 5, and then uh, verse 2, we see this blessing that is offered. Sorry, Matthew 5, verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Some of what they're experiencing, the persecution here, but he's offering blessing. This is what Jesus does, and he continues to do it through his ministry. And then this amazing picture in the end, when Jesus has been raised from the dead, and then he ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty to reign and rule over all creation, promising that he'll come back and he'll make all things right. But in that glorious moment that is hard for us to imagine, the ascension, we see in Luke 24, verse 50, He has gathered the disciples and he blesses them. And then in verse 50, it says, while he's blessing them, he rises uh, to the ascension, to the right hand of the Father. He is blessing them on his way to sit at the right hand of the Father. God is a God of blessing. This is his nature to bless. Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible. You see, this prophecy has been given. And he says in verse 7, Blessed is the one who keeps this prophecy, who does the words of this prophecy, who lives in light of this truth. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then, at the end, the final benediction, the last verse of the Bible, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. God is a God who blesses. This is the God who wants blessing for you and for me. And as the creator... Go back to Genesis 1 and that first blessing. As the creator, he knows what is good and best for his creatures, for his creation. He is inviting us into that, to, to flourishing. And so we can have hope and confidence as we come to him and recognize that we actually also have something to learn in the midst of that. And specifically, maybe even to learn what blessing is, what that looks like. So if God is one who blesses, what, how does he bless us? What does that even mean? And so we see here, what is the blessing? That's the second point. He's the blesser. How does he bless us? Verse 21 tells us, very simply, to equip you with every good that you may do his will. Not that he's come to offer this blessing of comfort or ease or uh, things to just go as you want them to go, success, or even lack of suffering. No, there's this this word equip it's probably when you think you know what would you hope for your life actually what, what would blessing look like for you my first response before preparing for the sermon would not have been uh, to be equipped 
whatever might follow, right? Like, it's not, that's, not what com- that's not what's coming to mind. And yet, that's the promise here. That's the hope. That's the blessing that is pronounced over the people of God to equip the people to do his will. Equip with everything good that you may do his will. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. All of this through Jesus Christ. The blessing comes through him. He's the one who, who blesses. But it's this picture of him equipping us with everything good to do as well. And we need to sit in, in this reality. One, the blessing that it would be to be able to do his will. To be pleasing in the sight of our creator. That's a, that's a significant call. But then it says that he has given us everything good in order that this might happen. This is a huge promise that he offers this kind of equipping so that we have what we need to glorify him and to walk with him and to live as he created us, to live, to experience the blessing that he would offer. That's what he's telling us here. I I think about being equipped for a particular job, right? Uh, Novak used to be a mechanic at, at Mercedes and part of the deal was that you had to uh, you had to have all set of tools, right? You can't do a job if you're not equipped to do the job. I, you have this happen around the house, too. I, I recently had my, I got a smoker, a big ceramic smoker. It's called a Kamado Joe last year. And it's got this huge hinge on it so that the heavy smoker lid can be lifted up easily and put back down. You can you just kind of set it where you want because it's got this huge spring in it. But it means that if something's wrong with it, if it's misaligned, that you have to lock the hinge in place. And let, if, you, if you don't do that, that basically you start to readjust things, it will pop open really quickly. It could, could hurt you. It, it could break the whole thing, maybe even your face. You're, you, know, you, you don't want to do this. You have to lock it in place. They make a big deal of it, right? But because the hinge was broken, the, the locking tool, the hinge lock, the equipment that they gave me with the, uh, the grill, didn't fit. And so I, 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 they sent me this video, the customer service multiple times. You watch this video. Here's all the things you need. Here's the equipment. Okay, I've got the 14 millimeter uh, socket wrench. I've got the 10 millimeter. I've got a Phillips head screwdriver. I've got all the equipment I need. I've got the locket, but it doesn't work. I actually don't have the equipment that I need to do the job. And so I had to rig it up myself because they never sent me an answer. But to, to, to do, to fix this thing, and this is true about anything that we have, you've got to have the right equipment, right? To, to build something, you've got to have the right equipment. And some of you know this well because I've borrowed a lot of equipment from you for different things, right? We need the right tools. And, and what, what's the promise here? To do the will of God, to essentially to, to live. The will of God is that we would live in flourishing as he created us to live, right? Big, big calling, And we fail all along the way. There's forgiveness offered in the midst of that. And and yet what he's saying is he's given us every good thing that you may do his will. That's a significant promise that he has given us all the equipment that we need. And and so the the question becomes, on, on some level, do we avail ourselves of that? Do we even think about life in these terms? Again, when I think about blessing from God, I, I don't just naturally think that he would equip me to, to honor him, to do his will, to do what's pleasing to him. But I think there becomes a question for us of, 
What would it look like to step into this equipping that is offered? And so much of the Christian life is just stepping into what is true, what he's given us, what he's offered of himself, what he's offered of us of forgiveness and being invited into his family as that Yahweh, as that personal God who wants relationship with us. What does it look like just to step into that reality? What are the things that we would consider about our time or our money or our jobs? or our seeking success, if we were to set out a five-year goal for ourselves, would, would any part of it include being equipped to do the will of God? Even if we wouldn't use those terms, maybe. I, I, I was challenged uh, in my preparation this, this week that, that I'm often thinking about, okay, what's the next step even as, you know, as a pastor? This is what I'm supposed to think about all the time, right? Being equipped and uh, spiritual things. And yet oftentimes it can be about, okay, just how do I present the next sermon or do the next thing, leadership training or Sunday school or Bible study. Or what, like, and instead of, what does it look like to actually grow in being equipped to do the will of the Lord? And, and there's a beautiful invitation here. Please don't hear. I mean, what, what we hear is there's a God who's offering blessing. It's not a, you guys better... Better do it. But there's an invitation to be a part of what he's offering. And, and we do have some really great things going on that can be a part of that. Our, our prayer times on Sunday mornings, Bible study on Sunday nights. And, and there's, there's some question of like, would we, would we even consider doing those things? Or do we just have so much going on that it's just not even a possibility that we would entertain the idea, right? And I'm not saying that everybody in the church should do everything that we're offering. That actually should not happen. But this question of, would I entertain that idea? Would I entertain the idea of, of doing something to help me grow in being equipped? Because the blessing is on offer. And so the question is, what does that mean for us? The, the ones who are blessed, the ones who are offered the blessing, and that's the third point, the, the blessed. Who, who are they? We, we find here, he's talking to followers of Jesus. That's the, the whole letter is laid out to the followers of Jesus. And, and to be clear, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you, you are invited into this continually. Continually, there's an invitation to come and experience the blessing of God, to trust in the blesser, to trust in Jesus, the one who offers the ultimate blessing. And that to come in is to be brothers and sisters. Verse 22, I appeal to you, brothers, and, and you may have a note if you have your Bible with you that this is... A, the, the meaning here is brothers and sisters. It was a, a term that includes all the children of God. We are family. This description of brothers and sisters that we find through Scripture is, is one that we're invited into family, into that kind of relationship with one another. This is not something that we just do alone. Being equipped isn't something that just happens for me as an individual. It happens for us as the body of Christ. We are, at the same time, his sheep. He is the shepherd of the sheep, verse 20. So he's caring for us. He's protecting us. He's providing for us. In the sense that we can't do it on our own. We're the sheep. And, and that's a picture. We don't like that idea, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole reason that we have this problem is we want to be in control. We want to be God. And, and yet we're the sheep. And the beautiful thing is he's the shepherd. He cares for us in the midst of that. And so we're just invited to trust the one who blesses, the blesser himself. 
that we would live out of it, that we would live in light of his work in us. And we are invited to step in, to allow it to, to change us and to think about the things that we do, to, to live differently in light of it. We see it even in verse 22. Bear with my word of exhortation, which I have written to you briefly. And you may think, oh, Hebrews is a long book. Briefly? Certainly the pastor hasn't been brief in these last 20 plus weeks, right? And, and it is a, a long, uh, long book of the Bible, and yet it's just a piece of, of God's word for us. And he's saying, bear with it. Live it out. Take it to heart. Do what it says. There's, there's an invitation here to, to not just toss aside the word of God that you hear, whether it's in the sermon or in the songs or in the scripture itself. And, and, and we don't typically just like intentionally toss it aside, but we very quickly just move on to other things going on in our lives. We're, we're easily distracted by other things and just leave God's word and challenge to us to the side. We, we quickly move on, myself included, as somebody who prepares the sermon, uh, it, it is, it spends a lot of time with it. It is, and I'll be convicted of something, and then two or three days later, it's just not even on my mind anymore. It's a challenge to my own heart here to bear with the word of exhortation. This is a, a, a theme that we find that runs throughout Scripture. Philippians 2 calls us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And, and yet it says... The very next words, Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. After we work out this call to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is the work of God. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The, the, the thing that starts here is God does the work. God works in us and that we then can live out of that. That has to be the order. We do not work in order to earn his favor. We do not work in order to be brothers and sisters. The promise here is that we're invited in as his children, his sons and daughters, offered the blessing of God from the one who is by his nature, the one who blesses and who is powerful enough to do it because he rose Jesus from the dead. He promises that same resurrection for us. He is the one who works. And so we're invited to step into that beauty ourselves. And, and that we do so, like, there, there could be this question that we would ask, okay, would that mean potentially even something big for me? Would I consider working for, would I consider doing missions? And, and to be clear, a very small number of people should, in, in this room should do missions, but I, I would say a very large number should at least ask the question, should I do it? It's at least worth asking. Would I consider being a part of the church or doing college ministry or doing something like what some folks are in our church are doing over the summer, short-term, long-term, would we even consider those things? And again, very few will actually be called to full-time vocational ministry. That's not what I'm suggesting, that we all head that direction. We should at least consider, should we consider big things? That's a question that's worth considering. But, but what we find beyond that is actually so much of life Living out our salvation, living out the blessing, comes in just ordinary, everyday relationship. It, like, what do we even do with verse 23? You've got, hey, Timothy's been released, uh, with whom I shall see you if he comes. Like, maybe we're going to connect. 
kind of making plans. Uh, greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. So like, I'm greeting you, the Italy, Timothy, and Timothy's connected to Paul, and we think of Paul and Timothy, and the writer here is these just characters. They're real people just living out life, right? Living in relationship. This is what we're invited into. We're, we're just connected in relationship with one another. And this is where we experience the blessing of God. And we, we, we're able to do it together. It's not just me on my own. It's not just me and Jesus. It's, it's us living out relationship together. It's sometimes these mundane ways and ways it's just like, hey, Steve said hi. He sends his greetings. You know, we, we have the Hinkles come and share with us about what's going on in Perth. And we'll hear back from some of the folks who are away this summer doing missions. We, we pray for our missionaries in Cluj, Romania, because we're connected. And we hear about what's going on at Redeemer and other churches in our presbytery and denomination. And we hear about other churches in the neighborhood and other denominations. We're just, we're just living out the blessings of God together. But we're moving in that direction. We're saying this is what God has for us. His blessing is on offer. Would we step into that beauty, trusting in him that he would bring it about in our lives? Let's pray.